You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Scott McNamara. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Good morning, Promised Church and everybody at home watching. We're glad that you joined us today on Resurrection Sunday. Come on, Resurrection Sunday. This is the day Jesus rose again because of his blood made us clean. This is why I'm wearing my blood of Jesus jacket. This is the anointed jacket that I bring out on special occasions. So you guys are going to be blessed this morning. Listen, I want to tell you, if you can share this post, share our church post, we believe God is going to bless people who watch this. We believe that people are going to be touched. So I encourage you to share. Feel free to share this thing. And we just want to celebrate this morning. Wherever you're watching from, uh, in whatever city or nation you're watching from, we just want to celebrate as brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a time where we all can be evangelists. You don't need a special anointing. This is a time where you can be a disciple and a disciple should share the good news. So wherever you are, you can post, you can hit a message, hit the send button on Facebook. You can be an evangelist from home at this time. This is a time when everybody gets to play, as John Wimber once said. So I'm just going to pray, and we're going to kick off. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. Lord, I ask you right now for every single individual watching at home, I pray that you would move uh, from this room through the cameras into their home. I ask you by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, the resurrection power of Christ right now would begin to move in people's hearts and in their homes. I pray you would draw people to watch this feed. I pray people would click on somebody's feed and they would tune in and they would hear a message of hope and a message of transformation. We thank you, Jesus, for the blood of Christ. We thank you today is the day we celebrate you rising again. And we love you and we welcome you into our space and into our environment. We give you control. I pray, Lord, you'd anoint my lips that this talk would not just be a talk, but it would be something that is of you and something of heaven that would bless people. So we love you, Jesus. We thank you for making filthy sinners like us clean because of the blood of Jesus. Blessed be your holy name. Amen. Okay, we're glad you guys are with us. I'm going to read this morning. Uh, I'm going to do a talk and we're going to... So I'm just going to change microphones. How's that one? Is that better? There we go. Come on. Okay. I want to read to you this morning from Exodus 12. I'm going to do a talk and it's going to be about the blood of Jesus. I believe the blood of Jesus is what enables us to have this new life that we have. So we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to read to you uh, from Exodus 12 and I'm going to pick it up from 3, verse 3 down to verse 28. So if you have a Bible, feel free to pick it up. If it's a modern Bible on a device, or if you like the smell of the pages, pick up a real Bible. Exodus 12, I'm going to pick it up from verse 3. This is what it says. This is what the Lord was speaking to Moses and Aaron, and I'm going to pick it up from verse 3. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And in the household... And, sorry, and if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. And your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of the raw or uh, any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. In this manner, you shall eat it. 
with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat that alone may be prepared for you and you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought you hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month from the 14th day of the month until at evening you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whatever he is, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places, you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, go and select lambs for yourselves according to the clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out the door of the house until morning for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, he will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses. Amazing, amazing scripture. Now, I know it's long, thank you for bearing with me, but you know, the passage is just setting the foundation. I want to just set some foundation for what I'm going to be speaking on, but I believe there is something beautiful about the Old Testament. You see, what Jesus did, he came uh, to fulfill the Old Testament. He didn't dismiss it or abolish it, but actually he brought the, the Old Testament to life through his life in the New Testament. So it's some beautiful, beautiful scripture here. And I just want to bring this into play by explaining what this means and, and giving kind and my opinion and what I feel the Lord's put on my heart and I hope it will bless you. So just a quick background, uh, just to, to uh, summarize that quickly. So the situation at hand here was that the Egyptians had been suppressing and oppressing the Israelites, the Hebrews. They'd kept them for over 400 years as slaves. And this was a time where the Lord, uh, the God Yahweh, Lord our God Yahweh, he was saying that I'm going to give you this memorial day, this Passover day that I want you to remember. And it's going to be a day that you'll remember for all time because it is the day that I brought you out of slavery. So I want to look a little of how this worked. And what they did on the 10th on the day, like we read in the scriptures, on the 10th day, they would go and they would bring a lamb. They would find a lamb that was spotless, that was pure, that had no blemishes on it, and they would bring it home. And on the 14th day, what they would do is they would kill the lamb. They would kill the lamb and they would apply the blood of that lamb on the, the lintel, which is the top of the door, and on the two doorposts. And then what they would do, they would leave a basin on the ground. And in the, in the basin would be the blood. And what's beautiful about this is they would put the basin on the floor. And the idea was that as they applied it with hyssop, hyssop was like a branch, like a, a, um, a, an Israelite 
an old-fashioned Israelite uh, paintbrush. And they would take it, they would dip it in the bowl, and they would apply it on the lintel and the doorpost. But as that blood that was so precious would fall from the lintel, they would leave a basin so that it would be caught in the basin. You see, they didn't want that blood that was holy and pure to, be fo- to fall on the threshold because then people would walk on it. So what they did, they caught it in a basin. Well, what's beautiful about this is the symbol of, of that sign. You know, what, what it demonstrates is a cross. So you have the, on the lintel, you have it on the doorposts, and you have it on the floor, which is the perfect shape of a cross. You know, and what the Old Testament does, it just symbolizes everything that is to come through the Messiah and through Jesus. So on the 14th day, they killed the lamb. They applied the blood of the lamb. Now, what they did is they made sure they didn't break any bones of that lamb. And what I want to look at is the correlation between the Passover lamb, that little lamb, and the Passover lamb that Jesus became. You see, Jesus became the Passover lamb for you and I. And I just want to look at some of these beautiful correlations, how scripture entwines, interweaves and entwines between these two lambs. So I want to explain here what happened with Jesus. So on the 10th day, like the Bible tells us, on the 10th day, you will take the lamb. You will go and choose a lamb. Now on the 10th day, Jesus rode into town, Palm Sunday. And what he did on that 10th day, he went into the temple. He went into his father's house and he cleaned out his father's house. You guys might remember the scripture where Jesus said, you've made my father's house a den of thieves and he turned the tables. So what he was doing, he was cleansing his father's house. At the same time, the Jews were bringing the lamb into their home. They, were, uh, they, they kept the lamb in their home for four days and they were making sure that that thing was pure before they, execu- uh, executed, uh, before they slaughtered it for sacrifice. So Jesus comes in, he goes into the temple, he cleans out the temple and also what the Jewish people were doing at that time is they were removing any leavened products from their home at that time also. So it's just some beautiful correlation, beautiful marriage of scripture how we, how we read here. And then I want to read, this is the, re- the real key one here in Luke chapter 22. You see, on the 14th day, like we read, on the 10th day, they get the lamb, and on the 14th day, they sacrifice the lamb. Now, on the 14th day, what Jesus did is he gathered for the Passover feast. He gathered with his disciples for Passover feast. It was called the Last Supper. We know it as the Last Supper. And I want to read just briefly to you guys uh, a few verses from the Last Supper. I just want to pick it up here. Um, I'm just going to read verse 7. Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived and when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, uh, Jesus sent Peter and John and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. And then I want to pick it up here just for time's sake from verse, just from verse, where are we? Verse 17, it says this. Then he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He said, this is... Uh, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 20, after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice to you. And what Jesus did, he took symbols of the Passover feast and he converted them into symbols of his deliverance that he soon would would bring for the people of Israel and for you and I. And that's just beautiful how Jesus used that. You see what Jesus did, he took the unleavened bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. 
he took the wine, he said, this is my blood. And he And what's really interesting, he didn't take the bitter herbs. You see, what they did in the Old Testament, what the Jewish people would do, is they would take unleavened bread and they would break it because the unleavened bread symbolized how they had to leave with haste. And they would take the herbs and the herbs and the bitter herbs, they uh, symbolized how the slavery, the days of slavery and the bitterness that the people of Israel were bound in. And then the wine was a symbol of joy and redemption. But what's really interesting is that Jesus left out those bitter herbs. You see, what he was saying, I believe, is that the slavery is gone. The slavery, the, uh, the sin that held you a slave, that I'm taking care of that. So Jesus didn't even bring that in and he just brought the cup of joy and redemption, which is so beautiful. Something really profound, I believe also is this, is that Jesus' bones were not broken. You know, when people went onto the cross, they would hang on the cross and what they would do is they would break their legs and that would end their asphyxiation as they were dying on the cross. This is the way that they knew if people were were dead or not when they hung on the cross. And even those two that hung next to Jesus, the two thieves on the cross, Both of their legs were broken, but Jesus's wasn't. As we know, the spear went into his side and blood and water came out. No broken bones on that lamb. Something beautiful I read also in a a book was how Jesus, uh, being the Passover lamb, he was born in Bethlehem and then he was taken, he went into Jerusalem to be slaughtered for our sin. But what they used to do for centuries, they would keep Passover lambs in Bethlehem. They would raise them in Bethlehem and then on the day of Passover, they would take these lambs to Jerusalem where these lambs would be slaughtered for the sin of man. And that is exactly what Jesus did. He came into Jerusalem to be slaughtered for the sins of man. Beautiful, beautiful correlation here. Do you see how Jesus is the Passover lamb? Today, he is your Passover lamb. It's beautiful how he just brings to life. You know, behold, the the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is what uh, John, the apostle John said when he saw Jesus, John the Baptist. Behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. There is so much in scripture that point to Jesus as the Passover lamb. And I just want to look at some of this. I think it's really beautiful. Okay, so like I said, the blood on the, on the doorpost and on the lintel. But I believe, and there's a lot that I could say here. This is a big topic, so I just want to give you the guts of it. But, no pun intended. But on the, on the Passover lamb, it was due to the blood that was posted, that was applied on the, door, on the lintel and the doorpost. Now, I believe this. I believe that one day, we're going to have our own personal Passover. You see, one day death is going to come knocking at your door. And what's going to happen, it's going to look for the blood. Death is going to look. Do they have the blood of the lamb on the lintel and the doorposts of their heart? And if you don't, then death will come and it will snatch you just the way it did with those Egyptians. You see, when we allow Jesus into our heart, what he does, he applies his blood on our heart's doorposts. And it's an amazing thing to think that one day, you know, we could go to church, we could pray, we could read our scriptures, we could tithe, but we could, we could miss it. Why? Because the blood has not been applied. You see, the blood for many, they leave it in the, in the basin. And in the basin, the blood is available, but it's of no use. And people sometimes, they don't apply the blood to their heart. They believe it's there. You know, I often talk uh, when I speak about water. I say, hey, you could be thirsty. And if I have a bottle of water, you can believe in the water. But until you apply it, until you drink it, you will not have your thirst quenched. And it's the same with the blood of Jesus. You may be watching this morning and you're like, man, I believe in God. I believe that Jesus did die on the cross. But have you had the blood of the lamb applied 
to the doorpost of your hearts because that's what he wants to really do to you. Now, there is only one eternal life guarantee that we have. There is only one eternal life policy, assurance, insurance that we can have. You know, in life, nobody knows, uh, nobody knows how to earn and inherit eternal life. People pay money for it. People do all kinds of crazy things. But frankly, there is only one way that we know. Uh, and Jesus said that way is through my blood. You see, when the blood is on your heart, then death will not come to you. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Believe in me and you'll live even when you die. Most people don't think about death. Most people just kind of, you know, get bury their head in the sand and they don't want to think about it. You know, the times that we're in, the climate that we're in right now, death is an uncertainty. We don't know if it's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, we don't know it could happen tomorrow. There is no guarantee. I believe uh, one thing what the COVID virus has, has done is awoken people to the reality of death and to the reality of eternity, I believe. And, and what Jesus wants to do, he wants to open your eyes. You see, most people don't think about it, but those that do often have a warped sense of eternity. They think, man, I can maybe acquire it through money or through things that I do or, or through my behavior. And some of these interesting ways I've just found there's a uh, one way that stood out to me. It's crazy how people will do anything to try and inherit eternal life. They'll do anything that they can do, but they won't receive what Jesus did on that cross. There's something called cryonics, and I have an image. We maybe have an image of this, of what cryonics looks like. It's something that is from a sci-fi movie. You might recognize it from a sci-fi movie, but what they do, cryonics, is this. People pay hundreds of thousands of dollars and what they do is they, uh, they give, they sign off to say that when I die, my legally dead body will be suspended in, in a, a chamber. And they suspend the bodies in minus 196 degrees Celsius in liquid nitrogen. And the idea is this. It's a step of faith that one day scientists will develop technology that can bring these people back to life. Now, people in hundreds and hundreds are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to be frozen in the hope that one day in the future, they will be unfrozen. And people are really believing in this thing. Why? Because they're so desperate to live. You see, in the human spirit, there is a desire to live. We are eternal beings. We will live one way or the other. We will live eternally in heaven or eternally in hell. And in the spirit of man, in the soul of man, there's an awareness, an innate awareness that I will live. I don't want to die. You see, we're not made to die. Jesus, God created us to live forever. And you will live forever one way or the other, either in heaven or hell. And I want to just read this to you because this is a true story uh, based on Quranics. And a remote facility in Arizona, dozens of human bodies are waiting for scientists to give them a second lease of life. And there's a, in one particular, um, one particular program, 170 individuals, and there's many more, have signed up in Arizona to be frozen. And it's kind of crazy to me how this works. So they're hanging their hopes on chronics. And the youngest patient is a two-year-old child. Uh, they were a Buddhist family of research scientists. And what they did is they, they, their daughter died of uh, a brain cancer when she was two years of age. And they, they came and they had a ceremony, a Buddhist ceremony in the Arizona uh, clinic. And the 15 of the family gathered and before they, they, uh, put their, they froze their, their child into this system. You know, imagine having that lack of, of guarantee of eternity. People will do strange things when they don't know what's gonna happen. You, you wanna keep hung, hang on to your life. You wanna hang on to your loved ones. So people will do interesting things. And this is a true story. And the guy, the CEO is a guy called Max Moore. And this is what Max Moore said. He struggled with aging and death his whole life from a young age. And he said this, when he was questioned about chronics, this is what he said. He said, there is no guarantee 
but I think it's worth a shot. This is the guy who kind of, who's pioneering chronics. He said, there's no guarantee, but I think it's worth a shot. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to put my eternity into somebody's hands, I want to know it's a bit more secure than somebody who's saying, I think it's worth a shot. There was a 23-year-old girl called Kim, and uh, she was dying of brain cancer, and she put a social media post. She said, you know, just crying out for hope. She said, does anybody know of any way that, that I can, anything that can happen? Is there any hope for me? And people came back and some people said cryonics. That's the only way that we know that you can live after you die. So she raised the money and a 23-year-old girl was also put in a cryonic chamber. And you know what she said? She said this. You have to have faith in technology. You have to have faith in technology. Somebody who had no hope said you have to have faith in technology, but we don't have to have faith in technology because we can have faith in the God who came to life and died on the cross and rose again on the third day and said, when you believe in me, you will leave even when you die. That is the hope as Christians. And that is the hope today that we celebrate knowing that in Christ, there is a guarantee of eternal life. I know that when I die, I'm gonna live. Why? Because the Bible tells us that he puts eternity in your heart. So if you want eternity in your heart this morning, if you have no guarantee of salvation, you can have it. He offers it to you today, which is a beautiful thing. I want to read just briefly about how the life is in the blood. Now we read from Leviticus 17:11. This is what it says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. This was written, uh, this is from Leviticus 17.11. This was written over three and a half thousand years ago. You know, the Bible is prophetic as we know. Now, we know today uh, with technology that the that scientists and doctors, what they can do is they, if they want to know the health of an individual, they'll take a blood sample and they'll put that blood under the microscope and from that blood, they can tell the health of an individual. But even back then, three and a half thousand years ago in Leviticus, we were told that the life is in the blood. It's incredible. You know, if you have blood poisoning, if your blood becomes contaminated, then you are going to die. People are dying every day and every year from blood poisoning. It's called leukemia. Leukemia is a poisoning of the blood. And when your blood becomes contaminated, it can, till, it can kill you. And humanity's blood was contaminated by sin. You see, when people have a blood transfusion, what they're doing is they're getting new blood because they need new life in order to survive. But humanity, uh, humanity's blood has been poisoned. It's been poisoned by sin, and sin will kill you. But what Jesus did is he came. You see, no earthly donor would suffice. We needed, uh, we needed, a, an, eternal, uh, we needed an eternal problem, you see, an eternal solution to our earthly problem. What Jesus did, he came with, earthly, uh, with eternal blood to solve our earthly problem. And it's very amazing to think about that there's nobody on earth who could solve this eternal issue of, of, uh, of death. But Jesus came on that cross and he said, I am the donor. I'm the only one who can cure this problem with his blood. You know, how do we know that Jesus' blood is what we need? There's something really interesting about blood. And it's uh, what we know is that the blood of a child, we can, we can find out who that child belongs to by having what's called a paternity test. And the paternity test will tell through the blood who the father of that child is. You know, when I was uh, about 22 years of age, before I came to know Jesus, I, I was with a girl and I used to, uh, I had a girlfriend, an on-off girlfriend, and she got pregnant. And I was living a promiscuous lifestyle before I knew the Lord. 
and I was a, 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 an addict and, um, and various things like that. And this girl got pregnant and she said, this is your, your child. Now, I didn't know if it was my child or not, but I, I wanted to know for sure that it was my child. So what I did, I, I, I came to know the Lord and, and then I prayed for a paternity test for the money. So the Lord provided within one week over $600 in a miraculous way for me to take a paternity test. And I took this test and what they did is they, they examined my blood and they could tell from my blood and from the baby's blood that I actually wasn't the father. It was amazing. And my mom had prayed uh, as a young age. One of my mom's prayers had been this, that I would not have a child out of wedlock. And God honored that prayer and that baby wasn't mine. But it was amazing to see one a t 20 second test could determine if that child was mine because we know the life of the child through the father's blood how much more so for Jesus you see the blood of God the father was running through the veins of Jesus how can our how can we have our life extended how can we have eternal life how can this mortal being turn into an immortal being because of the blood of the creator you see, the blood of the creator is available for you. And when you apply it on your heart, something called eternity is, is placed upon you. It's really, really beautiful how Jesus does this thing. Jesus said this in John 6, 53, he said this. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. You see, Jesus is to the spirit what blood is to the body. I want to read to you briefly from uh, Psalm 51, verse Seven. This is what it says. David, this was written many years before in the book of Psalms. King David had just uh, uh, had an affair with Bathsheba. If you guys know the story and what he did in order to cover his sin, he tried to kill Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. He tried to kill him so that the blood would cover. You see, he wanted blood to be spilt to try and cover his, uh, his sin, his iniquity. But you know what he realized? He realized that he was guilty. This is what he said. He said, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. What was hyssop? Hyssop, like I described, was like uh, the Israeli paintbrush of the old days. Hyssop was what was used to apply that from the basin to the doorposts. And what David was doing, he said, I know that I've spilt blood. I know that I'm a sinner. So what I'm asking you as a foretaste, even in, in advance, he was saying, can I have the blood of Jesus? Can I have that blood that will one day be available to me? Because he knew it was the only thing that could purge him from sin. What is blood? Blood is a red river of life. Do you know 100 trillion uh, blood cells run through your body, enabling you to have life? Blood circulates every 23 seconds so that every cell in our body is constantly cleansed. And this is incredible. The blood carries all the garbage out of our system without contamination. There is something very precious and very special about blood. It is the life of a person. And Jesus gave his blood for you and for me. You see, there was only one way that we could be cleansed. Because we read in the Old Testament, it tells us how only through blood can people be cleansed and be forgiven. I just want to read these scriptures to you guys here. There's so much stuff in the Bible. There's so much that talks about how the blood can wash us clean. In Hebrews 9, 19, it says this. For when every commandment of the law has been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. 
So what Moses was doing again, what Jesus did is he fulfilled what was demonstrated in the Old Testament. You see, what Moses did, he took the blood of, of lambs and, and, and goats and sheep and he applied it on the people with hyssop. He applied the blood and it was a foreshadowing of what would come. When Jesus came, Jesus said, this blood cannot atone for sin forever, for everyone. It's a one-time deal. You apply the blood of lambs and goats and it can atone for that individual sin but it can't last forever. But what Jesus did, he came and he, he brought to life the demonstration of the, door, of the blood on the doorpost. He said, if you apply my blood onto your heart, you can have eternal life. What an amazing, amazing thing. Do you see how Jesus had to give his life in order so that you could have new life? And this is what he offers you today. I wanna ask you this. Has the blood been applied on the doorpost of your hearts? Because if it has, you'll know that there is a guarantee. You'll have an assurance of salvation. Or is the blood still in the basin? Is it in the basin? Do you believe it's available, but it's of no use to you? Because today he wants to take his life and he wants to apply it to your life. And in that way, can you be sure of your eternity? Jesus offers this to you today. Just as I close, I just want to share something really quick with you. I want to share a story. You see, I believe this. I know from my own life when, when I was washed clean of my sins, it was a celebration day. You know, sometimes people ask me who don't know the Lord, they say, you know, why, why is everybody so happy clappy? Why are you all dancing around and putting your hands in the air? Well, I believe this. I believe it's something worth celebrating when you go from death into life. Imagine what the disciples found when Jesus, uh, when he, they came to the tomb, when Mary came to the tomb and the, the stone was rolled away and they said, Jesus, he's not here anymore, he's gone. Imagine what they saw, what they felt when the resurrected Christ was face to face with them. He said, I'm not here, I, I, I'm not dead, I'm alive. Imagine when the angels said, he is risen, he's not dead. Imagine seeing the resurrected Christ. Well, you can see him today. Not visibly, but you can see him through the eyes of your heart because he's here and he wants to make himself known to you. I met a couple, um, called, uh, and the names are Jojo and Bridget. I met them in Vancouver about six months ago. I met those individuals. They were living in a tent. They were strung out on drugs, on crystal meth. They lost their four kids through their addiction. Their whole lives were broken. Their whole lives were in ruins. Why? Because sin will only cause destruction to your life. But Jesus Will bring life. So I introduced them to Jesus and they uh, committed their lives to Christ. They accepted the Lord and they applied that blood on the doorposts of their hearts. But as some do, because they're bound by the grip of addiction, they drifted off and they wandered off away from that life and they ended up back in their sin. Thank God they came back again after realizing what they had done and they accepted the atonement and, and the work of Christ and they accepted the Lord. And for 30 days now, they've been in a Christian rehab where they've been clean of their drug addiction. They've began a relationship with their kids again. They're able to begin, uh, begin repairing that broken relationship with their four kids and God is restoring them. But Jojo turned around to me a couple of weeks ago and this is what he said. He said, I wanna give back. I wanna, uh, what's happened to me, I want other people to experience it. You see, what he realized is this. He realized that his doorposts 
have been applied with the blood. He now has eternal life. And, he, he now more, and, and even more than that, he has a life now worth living. You see, there's an eternal life waiting for you, but there's a life now that can be full, that can be abundant. Jesus said it will be a life that is full. And he realized that he had that. So his natural reaction was, I want to give it away. Just like if I had a bottle of water and somebody was dying of thirst, what kind of person would I be to not give the water to the person who was dying? You see, when your life has been marked by his blood, you know that others can apply that blood from the basin onto their hearts. So what I want to ask you today, if you're at home and if you know Jesus, I want to ask you today, are you sharing this message of hope? There is a time that we're in where people are uncertain. The Bible tells us to, to be ready to give a, an answer to the hope that's inside of you. Well, what is the hope? It's that you have resurrection life. So I want to encourage you today to get a hold of this resurrection life, to, to let people know that there's blood that is available to be applied on the doorposts of your hearts. Do you want it? And if you're watching this morning, and maybe you're in that position where you're like, I don't know him. You know, I know about Jesus. Yeah, I heard that he died on the cross. I heard that his blood can make me clean, but I, I don't think I've really applied it. I don't think I've really uh, made the most of this. I'm just kind of trying my best. I'm, I maybe go to church sometimes. I pray before I go to sleep. Maybe you're trying your own works. You're trying to do it your way. But there is no way that you can get to heaven except through the blood of Jesus because one day death will come knocking on your heart. And you know what will happen? Unless the blood is on the lintel, unless the blood is on the doorposts and down there in the basin, unless that cross is applied to your heart, there'll be no eternal life. There will be death, eternal. So Jesus wants to give you this invitation right now. And I want to pray for you as you're at home. I want to pray for you to accept. Many of us uh, in our church and, and, and some of you guys watching, I'm sure, know about Jesus at the door. It is a way that we expl explain the gospel. And it's very fitting with what we're talking about, the door. You know, it's a picture of a door with Jesus knocking on that door and he wants you to come in. He wants to come in, but you have the handle, only you can let him in. You see what he wants to do? He wants to come on in through the door of your heart and he wants to mark the lintel and the doorposts with his blood. And he's knocking today. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that you feel his presence right now and that you can let him in. So Holy Spirit, I ask you right now. I ask you for every individual watching this feed. I ask you that you would touch their hearts and you would show them that today you are here. That today you're offering them eternal life. So I'm just going to close and I'm going to run this through with you guys in, in just two minutes. Okay, here's the image. This is the image of Jesus knocking on the door of your heart. I want to ask you, do you pray? Maybe you pray. But praying is like talking through the door. You know he's there somewhere, but you don't know him personally. Because lots of people pray. But this is about knowing him. If you had a backpack on your back with all your sins in that bag, would it be heavy? I think for every human being, they would acknowledge they're not perfect. And that bag, it represents your debt with God. It stops you having this blood-bought relationship. And he wants you to let him in. If you owe the bank $10,000 and I gave you a check right now and you go on Monday morning and deposit the check in your account, what would happen to your debt? It will be cleared. It will be gone. And that is what Jesus did on the cross on Good Friday. He wrote you a check, not in a pen, but signed in his blood. And he's here today at the door of your heart wanting you to cash it in. So I want to ask you, if Jesus were here right now in your living room, 
right now in front of you, would you open that door? Just ask you, answer, your, answer that question to yourself right now. If he was there right now in front of you and he's saying, I'm knocking, you've got the handle on the inside, will you let me in? Would you let him in? If you would, I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray to open that door. I want you to allow him to come and apply that blood on the lintel on the doorposts. But there's one condition in order to receive this gift. This is what it is. You're on a road of life going this way without Jesus. He says, turn around, change direction, and come follow me. It's called repentance. It means to change your direction. You're going one way without him. Now you need to turn and go one way with him. If you want that, if you want to follow him, the Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe what you're praying with your heart and it will be done. And then you take steps in that new direction. If that's you, I want you to do two things. I want you to pray with me now, but I want you to uh, message us either on our Facebook, on our YouTube. Just let our guys know uh, that you made that commitment and we want to pray with you. So just echo this prayer out loud with me right now. Don't worry about who's in your living room. You see, when you stand before Jesus, it will be you and him. Don't worry about if there's people in your house, wherever you are, have boldness to take this stand. Just say with me right now, say, Jesus, I open the door of my heart and I let you in. I say sorry for my sin. I choose to follow you. I make you the Lord of my life right now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I ask you to apply the blood of your life upon the doorposts of my heart right now. I ask you for that eternal life. I ask you to mark my heart with your life. Forgive me. Fill me. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I'd encourage you, tell somebody about the decision you made and reach out to us because we'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys.